0: hello and welcome to anime audio commentary today i'll be commenting
1: on episode 17 of spy family if you'd like to watch along then start watching now So, it would seem as though we're sort of getting away from spy business for a little while just to
0: focus on Anya and doing school stuff. So, I do think that Becky sort of serves as an interesting point of contrast with Anya in that, you know, despite being the same age or darn close, you know, she has... Many more mature interests in that presumably she likes watching like trashy soap opera romance kind of stuff. I mean, I feel like that's uh rather uncharacteristic of a kid her age, but I guess she is supposed to be like the daughter of some business magnate and therefore super wealthy kind of by default. So I really like how Anya is sort of inventing scenarios in her head. You know, essentially victory conditions by which she can secure world peace. You know, it's interesting because on the one hand, she sort of asks to take another family portrait with the new family dog, and You know, on the surface, that doesn't seem like it would be a big important thing, but the idea here is that by showing off her nice cool dog, she can make a friend and therefore
1: secure world peace.
0: You know, it's not exactly correct. It's also interesting how she's sort of like feigning that she dropped this picture. Like, oh boy, wouldn't it be really bad if somebody looked at this picture I dropped? Tee hee hee. You know, unfortunately, Damien doesn't really care, and therefore, world
1: peace is doomed. So, this sort of
0: starts to set up one of my favorite subplots here. You know, Becky thinking about romance as she does is... I guess, so surprised that Anya's dad is essentially so good-looking. And, you know, it's obviously highly inappropriate for Becky to make any kind of a pass at him, given that, one, she's a child, and two, he's married. But this sort of sets up an ongoing conflict where you're basically asked to fight off a bunch of homewreckers. And, to my great delight, she does so undefeated. You know, given how I'm caught up on the manga and all that, I do believe the current score at this point stands your 2, Homewreckers 0. So, uh, I'm
1: definitely looking forward to see this play out in animation. So onto the actual schoolwork,
0: it would seem as though, um, rather than just doing something fun for arts and crafts, they actually have to, like, Do something. And I feel like, on the one hand, that's kind of asking a lot of a bunch of little kids. But at the same time, this is supposed to be a super elite school, so, you know, I guess
1: they do have expectations. I mean, thinking about it, I'm sure there's
0: a whole bunch of reasoning behind why they're doing what they're doing. Because, you know, if the idea is you each have to do something and you're sort of put in groups where you have limited resources, I suppose the idea here is that, you know, you have to teach kids how to work under constraints in, you know, less than ideal circumstances whereby they can still get things done. You know, maybe, like, five or whatever is a little too young to start teaching that lesson like they're doing now but you know it's not a bad thing to learn so naturally everybody has their own sort of ulterior motives you know some people want to make animals they like out of paper presumably Anya is going to want to make something that will secure friendship and You know, I'm not exactly sure how possible that
1: is in arts and crafts. So, Becky is
0: abiding by the spirit of the assignment, if not the letter. You know, Lloyd, I suppose, is technically an animal, but, you know... I feel like everybody knows darn
1: well that that was not the intention of the assignment. I feel like this is one of those scenarios where, like, the kids are too clever for their
0: own good, and Mr. Henderson, despite being ostensibly right, like, he doesn't feel he can get away with, because I told you so, as an excuse for getting them to work properly. So it would seem as though, alternately, Damien and Anya are taking this too seriously and not seriously enough. You know, Anya's put down a rather meager offering, and she's sort of treating it like it's this whole big artistic achievement, when in reality,
1: you know, like, I hate to say it, but I could probably do that too, and I'm no artist. So it seems like Damien is
0: definitely not playing around. He's going to attempt to make a griffin like that of his family crest. And, you know, like he's basically like tracing out like, oh, what would you call it? A pattern, I think. I think that's the technical term. I feel like that's a rather complex thing to make because, you know, I remember being five years old And at the time, using scissors, like, it wasn't hard, but it was definitely something I had to think about doing. So, you know, I feel like if you're going to be making stuff out of paper that involves a lot of, like, cutting and folding and gluing, like, that's a lot of fine motor skill stuff that kids don't
1: necessarily have. So it seems like Damien's ulterior
0: motivation here is he wants recognition from his family. And, you know, I don't recall precisely how much that theme has been developed in the anime, but, you know, there is this ongoing pattern of Damien essentially being, if not looked over, like, essentially a sort of lesser priority in terms of his siblings and therefore everything he does is an attempt to try and get some kind of attention albeit he does it by um trying to be the best rather than by acting out as one might expect it's also interesting that we get like a little shot of damien vision again where we can see presumably how he views anya even though that's sort of um An
1: editorialized, fictionalized account of history, as it were. So, it seems like,
0: in defiance of the rest of the class, the two of them are working together. And this hasn't escaped Henderson's notice. That, you know... Well, these kids are working together and you know like kids aren't necessarily known for their social skills and being able to work together seamlessly it seems like immediately things have gone kind of south because yeah anya's helping but she's not helping up to damien's
1: standards Yeah, so
0: it's rather unfortunate how things are starting to turn out, you know. Despite wanting to help earnestly, you know, she really is just sort of causing trouble. And it might not be that bad a deal, but Damien's
1: working under pressure that nobody else is really privy to. So, Henderson is, uh. You know, he's right here.
0: You can only do what you're capable of, and given that you are a kid, frankly, you're not capable of much, so, you know, just do what you can, and if your family's worth their salt, you know, they will see. They will see the worth of what you've done. I mean, that might not necessarily be the case with Damien, but. I don't know. This whole exercise, if nothing else. I feel like it's done a little bit. Because, you know, if nothing else, despite how poorly he was treating her, Anya was willing to help him.
1: And he wasn't super gracious about it, but he didn't turn her down entirely. So it's very interesting
0: that now these, I guess, parents or other adults, they are now looking over the art, and perhaps understandably they stopped to really take a good look at the one Damien did. Now, against all
1: odds, it won top prize. You know, it's that sort of interesting kind of,
0: like, dramatic irony where the character who has judged it so well has totally misjudged the artistic intent behind it. The idea being that, you know, this regal animal, despite being wounded and all that, still retains its noble stature, is sort of a metaphor for the state of the country and geopolitical tensions. And You know, that's a great interpretation, but I feel like that's a real stretch if you're trying to really convince yourself that a little
1: kid had put in that conscious thought. So just to drive the point home that Damien's
0: really operating under different conditions than everyone else, you know, it seems like all his friends are just sort of hanging out in the common room, and he's off by himself on the phone, basically calling to try and talk to his dad. You know, he has to settle for the butler, and it seems like... It seems like his father is a little too busy with another one of his kids for him to really pay attention to Damien,
1: even now. And, like, that's really just the crux of the issue, isn't it? So this is, uh...
0: This is what we call foreshadowing a little bit you know, he's mentioning this orientation about what happened because, you know, Damien's parents weren't around and Jeeves sort of says, like, yeah, oh, your father's concerned about your health in a way that kind of makes it pretty clear to the viewer that, you know, he's just telling a comforting lie. You know, I feel like if you were really worried about the health of your son you would do something a bit more proactive than just sort of
1: Relay to the butler that, yeah, you're worried about him. So despite all of this, you know, Damien's got a pretty clear idea that
0: his father doesn't particularly care about him, but he's still
1: resolving to work hard anyways. So I guess that's it for uh, the main story, as it were,
0: and now we get a little treat in the form of uh, Sylvia Sherwood, the handler, and well, presumably a little bit about her, what she's up to, what she does on a daily basis. Oh, that's interesting. They call her the full metal lady, but she's not made of metal at all. How crazy. So it would seem that she's a bit of a person of interest to other intelligence agencies. And I guess the idea is she has a cover, in a sense. You know, she has, like, what is presumably her day job. And they seem to think she's worth tracking even in that capacity. You know, it's interesting because I... I don't really recall this, and I was sort of under the impression that she didn't really do field work. Like, she wasn't, like, a paper pusher per se, but she was more in a sort of administrative role rather than somebody who went out in the field and did stuff. Granted, you know, it's not like she's doing what Lloyd does, but at the same time that she, like, would go out into public and put on a disguise and do all that stuff... I guess it's sort of in the service of conducting a briefing in person, you know, if she is a rather important secretary, she can't be seen consorting with potentially unsavory characters
1: in public, you know. Ah, poor Lloyd. I feel like, um,
0: his mind isn't quite on the mission. You know, she's giving him this financial information, but she also has a tag on her coat that she didn't remove. And, I mean, even if it's not suspicious, it's certainly a faux pas. Man, so just to uh, lay it on thick, we have to remind the audience that Lloyd, in being a spy, has given up any chance of happiness in a normal life, you know? Just as a reminder that this whole family business he has
1: is fake. You know, surely this won't be a conflict later. So, it's interesting that they've sort of worked out this whole non-verbal
0: scheme of communication. I guess it's a bit of a necessity considering that this is, you know, what, effectively like pseudo-1960s Cold War and cell phones weren't around? So unfortunately, Lloyd hasn't, I guess, really understood the question,
1: you know, how goes the mission? It's like, well, my daughter can jump rope now. So just to round out the episode, it would seem
0: as though we're getting a bit of an origin story for Yuri. And perhaps why he's so, uh, just kind of messed up in general. Like, the poor guy having to eat such horrendous food to the point where, like, you know, he just sort of, like, projectile vomits as a defense mechanism. Now, really, just to like sell the point, I like how they censor the food. Like, I feel like they almost like. They missed out on the opportunity to, like, censor the scraps of food, too. Like, I I think that would have really sold it. That just, like, this stuff is truly inedible and unfit for human consumption. And so there we have it. You know, it ties into the present day. You know, Yuri is effectively invincible from
1: building up, essentially, a lifetime of resistance to toxins... Alright, well that's it for this episode. If you've
0: enjoyed it, then by all means, tune in for the next one. See you, Space Cowboy.